Zenni's Blocks lenses help to protect the eyes by keeping harmful blue light out. Because they're virtually clear, add blocks to any Zenni frame for stylish, all-day protection. Get a complete pair of prescription or non-prescription Blocks glasses starting at just $24. Protect your eyes now at Zenni.com. How many is excited to be in God's house today? Come on, God's been good to you. I want to preach a message to you this morning, and uh, you might be here for a few hours. I haven't preached in two weeks, so you might be here for a few hours, but I'm, I'm going to get you out of here, but it's going to be good. Title, Water Survival. <laughs> I don't know why it's titled this. It, it just come up in my head when I was studying. When I was in the old field, we used to travel from platform to platform by helicopter, but before you could get on the helicopter, you had to go through this training that was called Water Survival. And what they would do is, is they would take you and put you in a helicopter, and they had this overly sized swimming pool that they would drop the helicopter in, and then they would flip it upside down. Now, while you're in here, you're, you're strapped in. You got people next to you like you would, real people, not dummies. There's some of them dummies, but they were real people. But they there. Um, they sit next to you, and, they, and everybody's strapped in. And what you have to do is you have to wait until it sinks, flips over. Now, there's no breathing equipment. It's like you were in, in a normal crash. Flips over, and then you've got to get out of your seatbelt, find the window, push the window out, and get yourself back to surface and then you got to start tying coveralls together and stuff to try to float out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. But the whole thing about it was is it wasn't so much that you were, you were sinking. Here's the problem. The problem is, is once you were sinking and it flipped you over, the whole capsule would fill with bubbles. And you couldn't see anything. You couldn't see where you were going. You couldn't see the person next to you. You just had to have a mindset of knowing my seatbelt buckles here, the windows about this far from this part of my knee, we'd always use our knees, and then find the window and kick it out. But I always got stuck in the middle. So the middle guy's got to wait for this dude to get out first. And if he don't get out, then you got to find his seatbelt, grab him, and try to take him out with you so that you can get him out. But there's a problem it's not that getting the shore is, is so crucial. It's the fact that there's chaos going on. And can your mind focus? Can you think? Can you do the things you are trained to do and you need to do whenever life is spinning upside down? Do you have the survival skills to last when everything's going wrong? Many people panicked. They'd have to send divers in after them. And then some of them, like us, would just grab people and wrestle them through the windows. Because you knew it was, it was either get them out or you're not going to get out in a real life situation. But I'm telling you that this morning for a reason. Because going into this message, we have to come to a foundational agreement this morning, you and I, and the church as a whole, and all the churches in the world, that the God we serve is a living God. He's not a dead God. He's not a God that has given up. He's not a God that is mute. He's a living God. He's alive. He's well. And that is a foundational message that we must believe. There's no way that I can, I can go after God and pursue God if I don't believe I serve a living God because a living God is a moving God. So if he's moving and I don't believe he's living means I'll never move or pursue him. I will just base my faith upon what people say. Why do you say that? Because there were other little G gods in this world that people worship and still worship today. Muhammad was put in a grave and he never came out. Krishna was put behind a rock and never came out. Allah was put behind a tomb and never came out. Buddha was put in the ground and never came out. But your Jesus was put behind a tomb and three days later rose again. He's alive and he's living. He's a living God and a living God is always moving. Why even from the time that he rose from the dead, he didn't stand by the rock that they put in front of the tomb and say, this is where I will reside. Put your eyes on me and let's live this faith out. 
The minute that he rose from the grave, he started moving. And he's still moving today. And it's a foundational message that's going to help you this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, real quick. Not going to read a lot of scriptures. After these things, starting in verse 1, after these things, Jesus showed himself again. Remember that. He showed himself again. I want you to know that for a reason. Because God is showing himself today through his spirit in ways that we may not have seen before. And if we are too comfortable with what we are used to, you will miss the manifestation before your eyes. So remember what he says right there. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. In this way, that's a new way. Simon Peter, Thomas called twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and the two others of his disciples were together. Watch this. Simon Peter said to them, I go fishing. <laughs> Weirdest place to put it, but I go fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, nope. And he said to them, cast a net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast the net, and they, were not able to, and they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciples whom Jesus loved said to, the, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put it on his outer garment, took it off, for he had to remove it, and he plunged it into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals and the fish there they laid with bread. I want to tell you something this morning. The world is not looking for perfection. I don't care what tradition people preach. I don't care what denomination preaches it. I don't care what religion preaches it. The world is not looking for perfection. The world is looking for proof. The world doesn't care how perfect you are. They don't care about the things that you have fine-tuned in your Christian walk. They are looking for proof that you actually serve a living God, that you actually serve a God that responds to your cry, that hears your prayer, that shows up when you worship, that's there when it's dark, that's there when you're on the mountain. They want proof that God is actually alive. And here's where we twist it in the modern-day church and what we're doing. We cannot be followers without being imitators. We cannot claim to be followers of God unless we know that we have to be imitators. Let me tell you why. Because so many people believe that discipleship is built around following. Discipleship is not built around following. That's the traditional church that taught you do what I do because I say do it and I put it down and it seems like this is what we should be doing. So I follow after a man and I follow after an organization and I follow after a religion and I follow after a tradition and I miss the fact that following is not discipleship. Imitation is discipleship because following does not require distance to be called a follower. It doesn't even pay attention to distance. I can follow you from a distance and still be a follower. I can follow you right on your hip and still be a follower. But the only person that knows what type of follower I am is myself. Nobody else does. But to be an imitator, I have to get in your face, in your hip pocket, so that I can see your facial expressions. I can see the way you smile. I can see the way you talk. I can see the way you read. I can see the way you walk. I have to be right there with you to be able to imitate who you are. The world's not looking for perfection in distance followers. The world is looking for relational people who are imitators of a Jesus that is alive and well. It has zero to do with following. 
The church is filled with too many followers that are claiming to be Jesus people from a distance. But when it comes down to the fact that I have to prove my relationship is based off the imitation of who he is and I am like-minded and I have made in the perfect image of Christ, I can't prove it because I'm too far away from the one I claim. This is important this morning. Stay with me. I have to understand that if I'm going to be a Christian, maturity is my goal. I cannot stay in the same place I am day after day and week after week and year after year. I cannot be today where I was last year. I can't even be today where I was yesterday. If I'm going to be a Christian, maturity is my goal, not perfection, maturity. Which means that if I have a problem with anger, I need to fix it. I can't make excuses of why I get mad. I can't make excuses of why anger creeps up on me. I'm an imitator of Christ. I have to fix it. I have to become different. I have to be born again in that sense and let him begin to work on the things inside of me. I have to become mature. If my eyes wander when I walk through the store, if my eyes wander when I'm going places and I'm looking at things and doing things I shouldn't be doing, I have to become mature enough to let God deal with me and not say it's just part of being a man. Because it's not. I have to become mature. Perfection is not to go. Maturity is. When I understand that, I will begin to appreciate where I am today. And I won't always wonder why I'm not where I think I should be. When I understand my maturity and my growth in Christ, I will appreciate where I stand today. I will be able to look back and say, I once was sick, but now I'm healed. I once was addicted, but now I'm delivered. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once struggled with this, but here I am today. When I begin to pursue maturity, I will appreciate my standing place of where I am today. Watch what's going on in this text. Let me help you. If God is a living and moving God, listen to what, what it says all the way back in Genesis. It says, for and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And watch this. And the spirit of God did what? Moved upon the waters. Church from Genesis to Revelation and even today, he's still moving. The Spirit of God moved over the waters. He was moving in Genesis, and he's moving today. The question is not, is God moving? The question is, can I keep up? Because if I'm just following, I get lost. But if I'm imitating, I'm right beside him. God is still moving, but can I follow? Because I can't follow from a distance. But the foundation is imitation. Listen to me today. The problem is in the text, church. I'm going to preach you a message in just a second that's in the text, and it's so obvious to see. These disciples had got so comfortable with Jesus. They were so comfortable with the way he responded. They had seen him open the eyes of the blind. They had seen him heal the sick. They had seen him cast out demons. They had seen him do all these things. They expected that that who is only who he was, and that's the only way he revealed himself. But now that he is moving in a different way, they are so caught up in the former presentation of who Jesus was, they're fixing the risk, missing the manifestation of who he is now. Do you hear me? You can get so caught up in the way you have seen God move all your life and the way you have seen God do things all your life that you will be caught in presentation and miss his current manifestation of how he's moving today. Watch the text. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Watch what it says. And in this way, he showed himself. Why was Peter so confused? Because he had never seen him this way. And his mindset was stuck on the fact of where he had always seen him. And now that Jesus is doing something different, he can't fathom the fact that he can't comprehend and follow what's going on. So now he's caught up in what he did and he's about to miss what he's doing. That's the world today. That's the church. 
Let me hang on to 1955 revival and miss the 2021 revival of a generation that people say can't even worship. Because I'm still clinging to a service I was in 20 years ago that ain't helping me today. Because I'm not 20 years ahead of where I was in that service. Imitation. Watch this. I'm thankful. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for history. I'm thankful for tradition. I'm thankful for revivals that have happened over the time. But I'm not one bit concerned with them. Because I wasn't there and they ain't going to happen again with me there. It's going to be something different. I cannot preach and teach things that I was not a part of. The reason you can preach the gospel in the Bible is because the spirit that was there is inside of you. Grandmama was there without me. Mama prayed that way without me, but the Holy Spirit is inside me so I can preach the gospel because I wasn't there, but he was. We got to get off the old things of church that we wasn't even a part of. Matter of fact, you don't even know how true the stories are because you weren't there. Peter doesn't know what to do. He makes a crucial decision, church. Listen to me. Here he is because confusion leads to disconnection. When I become confused, I become disconnected because I don't know how to respond. I've done it all my life. That's one of my biggest battles. When I'm confused about something, I will disconnect myself until I figure it out because I don't want to be in a conversation. I don't know what I'm talking about. That's what's going on. They're confused about who Jesus is in this moment. So watch what he does. I go fishing. He disconnects himself from the very one he's been following. Confusion leads to disconnection. So Peter watches him move, but he doesn't understand what's going on. How many have been there in life? I, I, I feel like God's doing something in my life. I feel like God's doing something in my marriage. I feel like God's doing something in my family. I feel like he's doing something in my city. I feel like he's doing something in my church, but I cannot see exactly what it is. I feel it, but I can't just grasp it. So I disconnect because I don't understand it. This is what Peter's fixing to do. Watch this. Here's your point number one. Do not confuse joyriding with backsliding. Do not confuse joyriding with backsliding. Let me show you why I say that. Because Peter says, I go fishing. <laughs> well, if you study the Bible enough, you understand that Peter was a great fisherman. If I'm a great fisherman and I say everybody today, I'm going to go fishing tomorrow, you think I'm going to take a vacation and go do something I know how to do. It's a good thing. This was not a good thing. Don't confuse joyriding with backsliding. He was fixing a backslide on the one he loved. Sometimes we think because we know it, we can go back to it and there's no harm because we're joyriding, but really we're backsliding. Here he goes. In order for Peter to say I was going fishing means he has to say I'm going back to something I've already came from. Don't forget where he was when Jesus called him in the very same place he's about to step right back into. In order for him to go fishing, he has to go back to where he's already been taken from. I'm going to help you. Let me help you. You and I and all the churches have no time to go back. We have no time to go back to the things you've already done. You've already been healed. You've already been delivered. You've already been set free. You've already been sanctified. You've already been filled with his spirit. You've already had all these things happen that you struggled with. You have no time to go back. But the only way to fix that this morning is this. 
You got to have a voice that's not afraid to speak to the enemy and let him know where you stand. Let depression know I'm not going back. Let anxiety know I'm not going back. Let lust know I'm not going back. Let pride and anger and envy and strife and backbiting. Let the, the relaxed spirit and the comfort spirit on God know I'm not going back. I may not see it. I may not understand it. I may have never been in this moment in my life, but I refuse to go back. Peter said, I'm going back. Why did he say that, church? Confusion leads to disconnection, but there's something more important. Backsliding loves comfort. Backsliding. Let me clear something up for you. Pastor, there's no such thing as backsliding. Well, I tell you what, you better get that on your mind real quick before he returns. The Bible says, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Not him that came to the altars, lifted his hand, and went and lived like a heathen demon the rest of his life. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. There's no eternal security because I say I know Jesus. It's either I live for him, he knows me, and we have a relationship, or I don't. He said, I will go back, and that's not the place we want to go. Backsliding is real. Backslide. Let me help you with something. Do you know who causes the most problems in church? People that believe backsliding is not real. Because they don't fear enough of God to keep their mouth shut half the time. Because they don't think you can backslide on God. We can backslide if we're not careful. Peter was a disciple that walked with him, and he said, I'm going back. I'll show you he had to restore him in just a minute. We've got to get to that point. Backsliding loves comfort. Here it is. It's not about being comfortable. It's about being called. It's not about Pastor Derek, be comfortable. Listen, if, if, if I wanted a comfortable church, I would probably do things a little bit different here than what we do now. But it's not about comfort. It's about calling. God has called you to do something. And most time, 90% of the time, let's say 99.999% of the time, it's going to be very uncomfortable. It's going to be something that just doesn't make sense because I know this, and this is just something you can have in your notes. If what I want makes me comfortable, then why do I need a comforter? If I am comfortable in what I want in my life and I am comfortable in what I can achieve in life, why do I need a comforter? Some people seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit who Jesus in the Bible called the comforter and can't receive it because they'd rather be comfortable in what they want but claim they want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't need a comforter if I'm already comfortable. I receive the comforter when I get out of my comfort zone and I become in need for a comforter. God will call you out of the boat not because he wants you to sink, church, he wants you to see. God doesn't call you out of the boat because he wants to see if you can swim or not. But he knows out of the boat, your eyes will get fixed on the only one who can get you out the water. So if I can get you out the boat, then I know you can see whether you can swim or not. <laughs> He's got all the means to get you out the water, but he needs you to see what's going on. And I believe this, and I put it in your notes. The most powerful moves of God come outside of your comfort zone. Listen to this. When you shuck the floaties and take on a mindset of I will sink before I will let the world teach me to swim. That's a very crucial mindset to have. To be able to say, Pastor, I will sink in my life. I will lose everything I have before I allow the world to tell me how to swim. I will jump out of this boat of comfort. I will take my life jacket off. I will take my arm floaties off. I will take the little noodle rafts and throw them away. I'll take all the little rafts and throw them away. And I will sink in my life before I let the world tell me how to swim. 
Can I tell you why? Because the world is not lifeguards. They don't know anything about swimming. Maybe in the success of the world, but not in spiritual things. The only thing that's going to help you in the spiritual mindset is his spirit. So here's the thing. We might as well get comfortable. (laughs) Go ahead and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That means worship. That means I don't come into the church for people. And I come in here and if I look silly to everybody else, that's fine. But I'm going to be uncomfortable to make sure that I get a hold of my Jesus. I'm going to be uncomfortable to make sure I'm not caught up in my comfort zone. That's in my prayer life. When God begins to prompt things on your heart that you think are way too big for you to reach, only to show you that he's setting you up down the road. I have prayed for things in my life and in my family and in this church for years that have not come to pass yet. But I will not stop praying for them because I believe that God planted a seed and it's not up to the world to tell me what the seed's doing under the soil they can't even see. It's up to the God that has prompted me to plant the seed and promised me that it'll grow. That means in my prayer life, I got to get a little bit uncomfortable and I got to be able to say, God, I believe that you're going to do this. I I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't see how you're going to do it, but I'm not going to turn back and say that you can't do it. I'm going to get a little uncomfortable in the city. That means talking to that person in the store that you walk by. I've been there. I'm guilty of that probably more than most of you. You didn't realize it. Hey, well, tell that person that. Really? There's like 600 people right here. And this lady, no wonder she, I I know what's going on in her life. You want me to walk up and them think I'm picking on them? No, no, no. It's because there's a voice behind the word that's going to be spoken that's going to cause that person to see something. Even in the city, get uncomfortable. Say, God, I'll do it. Let me tell you something. Yesterday, we gave all these book bags out right here in this church. And then two of the men from our church, Brother Terry and Brother Jim, grabbed the whole bag that we had left and went out into the city. And they started handing them out, knocking on doors. Got any kids in here? Need some book bags? One of the kids rolled the window down and said, that's the best book bag I've ever had in my life. Why? Because we got uncomfortable for a minute. And they could have said, I don't want your book bags. Get out of my yard. And some may say that. (laughs) But you got to get uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable. God wants to use you. And I want to tell you this. Revival is not about the pastor. Revival is about the great commission that Jesus gave us. And he didn't give it to the pastors. He gave it to the body. True revival comes whenever the whole church stops looking at the leaders to bring revival and to fulfill the great commission. And we all start fulfilling it in our own life and in our own walk, in our own homes, in our own marriages, in our own jobs. We will find revival come to a city because we have grasped something that was a commandment to all and not just leaders. Revival. Here you go. Let me move on. I don't know if y'all with me right now. Point number four. This one will get your attention. Satan wants to be your Uber driver. Satan would love this morning to be your Uber driver. He would love nothing more than to have full control of the wheel. He would love nothing more than you to have the opportunity to say, hey, (laughs) you drive me around. I can prove it to you. The Bible says that whenever Peter said this, he said, I go fishing. Well, what you going to go fishing in? Because way back in Matthew, the Bible says he forsook his boat. He didn't forget the boat. He didn't tie the boat up at the marina. 
He didn't leave it on a pier. He didn't tie it to a log to come back. The Bible said he forsook it. It was gone. So, Peter, how are you going fishing? But even further than that, understanding, knowing that he forsook it, the Bible says they didn't go borrow a boat. He didn't get alone and go buy a boat. He didn't have a friend who had a boat. It says he said, I go fishing, and immediately he got in the boat. Why? Because every time that Satan sees you uncomfortable and he sees you confused and all these things, he will pull your vessel and your getaway boat right up to where you are. Because he knows this. If you got to go looking for a boat, then there's time you're going to run into the wrong person that's going to turn you back around. You're going to get a hold of the right church that's going to get your life right. You're going to start seeking something deeper than you ever have. But if I can put the vessel at your feet, you'll step right in it and you'll forsake everything that you once followed. The Bible says that he said, I go fishing, and immediately he got in the boat. Satan will have your ship waiting on you. He will have the ship you need to wreck your life waiting on you at your feet. What kind of ship? Friendships? He'll have a friendship right when you say you're going back to what you knew, waiting right at your feet that you can get in that friendship. And every time you get off the phone with that person, you'll be discouraged. Every time you get off the phone with that person, you'll give up on your dreams. You'll give up on your hope. You'll no longer do the things God called you to do. You'll go places you ain't supposed to go. You'll start doing things you didn't do. You'll start drinking things you shouldn't drink. You'll start smoking things you shouldn't smoke. You'll find yourselves in bars and places that you never should have went only because you allowed a ship to arrive in the wrong season of your life. Friendships, I can go further, relationships, that boy, that girl you shouldn't have been with, it's right there at your feet. Go ahead and say you're going back to the life you once went to. Go ahead and say you backsliding and watch how you back in the places you ain't supposed to be. Watch how you doing the things the Bible said you ought not be doing. Watch how you find up. Hey, let me tell you something, and I, and I know that this pastor shouldn't preach that way. Yeah, you should. That babies ain't made by mistake. Get the right relationship in the wrong season of your life and you'll find out exactly why things are happening. He's got ships waiting on you. All you got to do is say, I want to go back. Fellowships is the same way. Don't think every person you encounter that says, I'm a Christian or I'm part of a church is in favor of your, your walk with God. Don't think every one of them want to see you do good. Don't think every one of them want to see you succeed and want to see God move in your life and your family. Some of them want to see you go back, do the things that they do because they're miserable in the life they have and the walk that they're walking and they can't do it the way you do it. So fellowships ain't the ship that you should be in all the time either. Ships at your feet. He wants to be your Uber driver. And let me tell you, the minute he realizes you're disconnected, the minute he sees that you're comfortable, you're stressed and you're discouraged, buddy, he's going to push that ship right up to your feet. Peter immediately got in it. Didn't even give him time to think about what he wanted to do. But there's more. Because it says the next day that they fished all night and they caught nothing. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, but by morning, by morning, Jesus is standing on the shore. That's... that's Still paying hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Let's change that. At Zenni.com, our factory direct model means no middlemen or outrageous markups. Just the same quality frames and lens options as the other guys for one-tenth the price. Zenni offers prescription glasses starting at $6.95, as well as affordable sunglasses, blue blockers, and more. The best part? Try any frame anywhere with our 3D virtual try-on. Visit Zenni.com today 
and change the way you buy glasses forever. These days, we're all getting more screen time, which means we're also getting more blue light exposure than ever before. Too much blue light can make your eyes feel tired, dry, or blurry. It can also affect your sleep. Zenni's Blocks lenses help to protect the eyes by keeping harmful blue light out. Because they're virtually clear, add blocks to any Zenni frame for stylish, all-day protection. Get a complete pair of prescription or non-prescription Blocks glasses starting at just $24. Protect your eyes now at Zenni.com. Psalm 30 and 5 says this, Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. By morning, Peter done went back. When he left fishing, he was successful. Now he ain't caught nothing. Ain't even got a bite. But, but morning, let me, let me help us for a second. Some of us need to learn how we use the term good morning. A Christian doesn't say good morning to people the way the world does. Good morning means something. Weeping lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. What are you saying, pastor? When I wake up and say good morning, I'm telling somebody it's a new day. Everything you faced last night, good morning, it's over. The time you thought your kids wouldn't be saved, good morning, it's over. The time you thought that you couldn't be freed from addictions, good morning, it's over. Because all these things come at night, but it only lasts. Good morning. Christians ought to realize that when I tell somebody good morning, I'm speaking life into their situation. Good morning because I serve a God that's alive, well, and moving. And I believe if you will grasp this morning, you will see he's going to move in your favor. But we wake up and say good morning and go about our jobs and don't realize that person right there is relying on a word from God. But morning, watch how serious this is. But morning, but morning, but morning, look who shows up. It wasn't that friendship. It wasn't that fellowship. It wasn't that relationship. It wasn't even mama or daddy. Grandma and grandpa didn't even show up. Brother or sister didn't show up. Good morning, but Jesus is standing on the shore. The one who said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the world. Even in the times when it's the most difficult in your life, even when you made the wrong decision, even when you did the wrong thing, Peter, you've done denied me, you've done left me, you've done turned your back on me. But good morning, Peter, from the shore, I've come back to rescue you. I've come back to change you. I don't know where y'all are this morning. Jesus shows up. But watch this. I believe Jesus has a sense of humor. Because we think that Jesus is going to get all spiritual with him. I can't believe, Peter. I can't believe after all I've done for you, after everything I've done in your life, all the things I've done, what are you doing in that boat? Why are you standing in that boat? Why did you go back? That's what we expected Jesus to say. He said, children, you got any food? That's sarcastic for what a stupid decision you made. Do you have any food? How's that working out for you? Are you catching anything? Did you have fun? How'd that relationship go? Was that one night worth you missing church? Was that one night worth you wrecking your life? Do you have any food? 
That job that took all your time, was that worth it? That hobby that you have that keeps pulling you away from the calling and the purpose, is it worth it? All the fun you're doing on the weekends and during the week that's consuming all your finances and you're dying inside because you don't know how you're going to make it, is it worth it? There's a whole lot of words coming out of that one sound of, got any food? Is it worth it? But see, y'all like spiritual messages, so let me get spiritual with you. Jesus right here, give me some people in the boat. Come on, brother. Terry, get in the boat. Russ, sweet, get in the boat. Y'all a bunch of sorry individuals. Y'all live wretched. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They in the boat now. Y'all want a spiritual message. Stand up, guys. Jesus way over here on the shore. Children, do you have any fruit? Do you have any fruit? Where's that got you? What'd you catch? Because if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. (laughs) Jesus got a good sense of humor. See, we try to get too spiritual with people. Do you have any fruit? What you got to offer? Everything you left is in that boat with you now. What you got? I quit going to church because the pastor made me mad. You got any fruit? (laughs) I quit singing because I don't like what you do. You got any fruit? My friends don't like me at church. You got any fruit? Is there anything in that boat that can sustain you? What do you mean, pastor? Go ahead. I'm ready for the excuses now. Well, Peter, you, you were a professional. You was on Bass Master of the Bible. Got any fish? <laughs> Bet you ain't on this month's magazine. You know what he's really saying? You're fixing to waste it. That boat you're in is fixing to tear your life apart. That decision you're about to make is fixing to tear your life apart. And he's looking at them. With just a few things. Because what we think is this. I'm going to make excuses with God. Well, see, I I started this business, Pastor, because I knew that that God gave me the gift to do it. But because of COVID, I'm no longer successful. No, because you might not have heard from God. I I quit doing this because of the economic pressure on my life or, or, or this on my life. And that I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no excuses to the decision. He didn't ask for excuses. He's had one question. Do you have anything to eat? What's sustaining you? Thank you, guys. Don't flip my boat. Number five, honesty, 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 honesty with God delivers destiny. When we want to move forward with God, we must be honest with him about where we are located. Listen to me. I say it to you all the time. I love my GPS in my van, but I don't trust it at all. One time it took me down to Mississippi, and I was going to Yogi Bear Campground, and it took me to a row of trees, and it said, stop and prepare to walk. Why am I telling you that? God works the same way that GPS does. There is a destiny for your life. But if you cannot get real with God about where you are, 
He can't take you to that destination. I can get in my GPS right now in my little minivan out there, and I can put, boop, 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 Starville, Mississippi. And I can try to hit submit all I want, but if I don't put Columbus, Mississippi, I ain't going to Starville. I can sit here in church every Sunday and Wednesday and I can say, I want to do this for God. I want to do that for God. I want to serve this way. I want to serve that way. I want to be used this way. I want to be used that way. I want to see God do this in my church, in my family, in my marriage, in my finances, in my city, in my country, in my nation, in the world, all these things. But if I don't ever get real with God and say, but right now I'm right here and I need you to get me there, God, you're going to stay where you are. Watch how real they were. Even in the midst of Jesus' jokes that are very deep. Children, do you have any food? No. They never made any excuses about the net broke, the motor wasn't working, didn't have the right bait. They just said, no, we don't. Do you know what Peter was saying? I believe that Peter is standing in that boat. Brother RJ, come on. He's standing in that boat, and he's looking on the shore, and get this. He don't even know who he's talking to yet. And as he's in that boat, he's saying, no, I'm tired of this life. No. Do you have any fruit in your life? No, pastor. I'm tired of this life. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of wondering. I'm tired of being confused. I'm tired of being disconnected. I'm tired of being comfortable. All those words, church, mean no. All those words tell God where I am today. If you want out, you're going to have to be honest. You know what that means? That means I got to take my church mask off. Yep, that's what I call them. Same way they wear hockey masks and stuff, they pull it off. You got to pull your church mask off. Pull your religion mask off. And look at Jesus and say, I'm not where I should be. I'm in the wrong boat. At the wrong time. In the wrong place. But facing the right person. And they said, no, we don't have anything. But watch how Jesus does this. Instead of condemning them like Christians do so much about when somebody's not in the right boat, saying, you, you did this, did that, got you here, got you there. Listen, let me tell you something. If it wasn't for second chances, ain't none of us would be sitting here. Do you have any food? Peter, are you in the right boat? No. Are you hungry? I'm hungry. Didn't ask that, but that's what he was wondering. Watch what he says. Cast your net on the right side. But there's something behind that. Not cast your net because you have the strength to pick it up and throw it overboard. Cast your net because I told you to. See, we can go through life and we can respond off of our own energy all we want. But nothing happens until you respond out of obedience. Cast your net on the right side. The reason obedience is so important is this. One of the biggest things we struggle with as Christians is to speak when spoken to by the Spirit of God. To say the words to somebody, to preach the message, to, to get in front of the crowd, and to say the right thing at the right time. Can I tell you something? As long as you're trying to figure out the right time, it'll always be the wrong time. 
Watch what happens. Peter's still confused. Peter has answered Jesus on the shore and said no, and he don't even know who he's talking to. And he's confused. But there's somebody in the boat with him that understood the presence of God. And the Bible says, the one whom Jesus loved. That's John. That's John. Why is he the one who Jesus loved? Because he desired presence over everything. Go back in the Bible when the disciples are arguing about who gets to sit at the right hand, who gets to sit at the left hand. We want the seat. And John said, I'll just take the spot at your feet. Go back when they all wanted the things in his head. What's going on? What's warning? And John said, I don't care what's going on in his head. I just want a place to lay my head on his heart. And John said, Peter, that's the Lord. How did John know that? Because presence is powerful. Watch what happens. Peter's confused. And Peter's, I believe, I actually believe he's on the edge of the boat, kind of like I was, just making a decision if he's going to jump or what he going to do. And he's, he's on that line, and he's confused because he don't know who he's looking at. He kind of can, maybe, and John says, Peter, that's him. Watch what happens whenever John says that. The Bible says that Peter starts taking his stuff off. <laughs> that's him? I'm out of here. Why? Because the Bible also tells us that my sheep will hear my voice, and they'll follow. See, we walk around today, and we're waiting for this audible voice. Pastor Derek, this is God. It don't work that way. Sorry, you're never going to hear it. The voice is God speaks through somebody, and when they speak that word, that word brings clarity to the voice. John heard the word that said, cast your net. John understood the voice. And because John understood the voice, he said, Peter, that's him. Peter, who was confused, responds to the one that heard the voice. What does he do? He now can see who he is, and he jumps in the water, and he goes after him. Some of the people in your life, and maybe some of you today, are right on the edge of the boat. Somebody around you may be on the edge, but if you cannot hear God's voice, you cannot speak the word that's going to cause them to see who's looking right out in front of them. How does that work, Pastor? Hey, Pastor Derek. Tell that person I love them. But that's not a deep word. No, no, but it's the word that's already planted in their heart. So when you speak it, they won't hear an audible voice of God, but the Spirit of God will speak to the heart. That's me. So now that they're on the edge, God says, tell them I love them. Hey, God loves you. Boom, they can see. Now they jump and make the move. Obedience will always trump what you do. Peter's still confused. Still confused. Standing there. John was a radical worshiper. Why am I telling you this? Because radical worship understand or knows presence. So when you come to church on Sunday, and you want to sit far away from the person who worships the craziest, you probably should get a little bit closer. Because the radical worshipers 
understand the presence. John was a radical worshiper in the boat. Had he not been, Jesus wasn't going to see who, Peter wasn't going to see who he was. But he understood presence and he pushed him towards the Lord that was ready to change his life. Stand to your feet. Now it gets really deep. Really, really deep. Watch this. Because when Jesus said, cast your boat on the right side, cast your net on the right side of the boat, you know what he was saying? Hey, guys, the fish been there the whole time. But you've been operating out of your own strength. Hey, church, your healing's been under the boat the whole time. But are you obedient enough to get out of it? Your deliverance, your child's salvation, your marriage, your finances, it's been under the boat the whole time. But are you obedient enough to go after it? As the church sometimes, God calls us to be fishers of men. And we're trying to catch people with our own ideas and our own thoughts and our own mentalities and our own programs and our own things. And we're just casting and we're just casting and we're just casting and we're catching nothing. But Peter said, I ain't got time to find the right lure no more. I'm finna get in the water with the fish. Because God has always desired for you to be the lure of choice. But the decision is this this morning. Will I choose... Because they were blessed. The, the Bible says they had so many fish, they couldn't even reel them in. The other boats were helping pull them ashore. They were blessed, but they were blessed without the blesser. The blessing was in the boat, but the blesser was on shore. So the decision today for you and I is this. Do I want the blessing or do I want the blesser? Do I want the provision or do I want the provider? Do I want to stay in the boat and let my life rock? Or do I want to get out into the sea and make my way to the one that can help me? And I believe that Peter's just standing there. And all these decisions he's made is playing through his head. And I believe that in that moment, he's looking back and he's saying, guys, I love you. You can have the blessing, but I want the blesser. Guys, I love you. It's been fun fishing. You can stay in the boat if you want, but I want out. And the Bible says in that moment, Peter took his things off because normally that's what you do before you get in the water. He takes everything off. Why? Because all these things he had on him was with him when he made the decision to go back. He begins to shed them and shed them. And I believe that if I, if I was watching Peter in that water, in that boat, in that moment, that at that moment, the only words he could say is, I want to get out of here. I tell you what, you can have all the world. Just give me Jesus. I believe in that moment that his mindset shifted. And it was no longer who is that, but Jesus, don't go nowhere, I'm coming. 
Jesus, don't move. I'm coming. I'm going to swim through every decision I've made. I'm going to swim through every wrongdoing. I'm going to fight the waves from when I denied you. I'm going to fight the waves for when I said I'm going back. I'm going to fight the waves because I could not see you on that shore. I'm going to fight everything I've done. I'm going to fight my pain. I'm going to fight my struggles. I'm going to fight the depression I was in, the anxiety I went through, all the things I lost, all the things I thought I should gain. I'm going to fight it if you'll just stay right there. Watch this, and I'm closing. This was not the first time Peter got out the boat. Way back in the beginning of Matthew, Jesus called him out of the boat to follow him, and he forsook it. Matthew chapter 14, Peter's back in the boat, and Jesus bids him to walk on water. John chapter 21, Peter's back in the boat, and he's got to get back out. Why am I telling you that? Because we serve a God of second chances. Some of us have had third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and so on, including myself. And if God will keep calling Peter out of that boat, God will call you out of it this morning. But he was not just speaking to Peter. He was speaking to the church. How do you know that, Pastor? Because Peter is the very one who he told, he said, upon the revelation, upon that rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail about it. Thou art Peter. Guess what? He wasn't just calling Peter out the boat. He was calling the whole church out of it. And my question to you this morning is, what boat are you in? What side are you rocking on? Pastor, if I admit to myself and to God that I need to get out of this boat again and get back in the sea with him, I'm going to let everybody around me down because they thought I was something else. Who cares? But I've been doing this and I've been doing this in church and they're going to think, who cares? Are we going to keep casting out demons, healing the sick, seeing eyes open, getting people saved, all in the name of Jesus to stand before him one day and him say, I don't know you, depart from me, you're workers of iniquity? I never knew you. But they're going to think, who cares? Who cares? I'm either in or I'm out. Peter, you're either going to get back in this water or you're out. We can't backslide. You can't? <laughs> then why did he bring him back to the shore? Why didn't he just let him do what he wanted to do? Why did Jesus even take the time to go back after him? Because he backslid. He made a decision that he didn't want to do that anymore. He didn't understand it. Some of us don't understand what God's doing right now in our life, in our church, and we don't know what we want to do. And I'm telling you, it's going to bring you to a place that's going to destroy you. Peter said, I'm in. I got water survival, and I'm swimming. My question to you this morning is, will you swim? Are you going to sink or are you going to swim? When I was under that water, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see nothing. 
Every bubble cleared, every, everything distracted me, everything, all I could do was reach and try to grab things that I thought was there that would help me get out. That's what we're doing, some of us. We're just reaching and grabbing and hoping that it pulls me out. And the whole time he says, just let go. Just let go and you'll see the way out. These altars are open this morning. If that's you, I don't know where you stand this morning. But I've come just to tell you that God is a God of second chances. And on. What will you walk out of this church knowing this morning? Will you let pride drown you? Or will you let God rescue you? Maybe you've never accepted Jesus this morning as your Lord and Savior. It's really not a long, drawn-out process. The Bible says that if we'll repent of the things that we've done wrong, our sin, that he's going to forgive us. He's going to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he's going to put us on a journey that day that's going to keep drawing us closer to him. And he's going to keep removing things out of our life. And we may not have it all right. But he's going to keep helping us. He's going, to keep dra- he's going to keep bringing us along. And he's going to put people on that journey with us. If that's you this morning, that prayer is from your heart. God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I've done wrong. But I desire you more than I desire this world. I feel like Peter this morning. God, I feel like jumping out of this boat. Just so I can fight my way to the shore. I don't even want to just watch you anymore. I want to fight my way. I want to fight the waves. I want to fight life. I want to fight the world. I want to fight my way back to you. I just want to pray for you and these altars are open. Father, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are such a forgiving and loving God. But Lord, I do fully understand that when that day comes, that you do send your son back to get us. That day that we're called home, may it be an individual calling. Love will still be there. But the question will be, do we know you and do you know us? Father, I thank you for an opportunity today, God, to jump back into the water. God, I I thank you that you've given us the ability to make a decision today that says, you know what? Forget everything around me. There were other boats watching Peter. He didn't care about any of them except you. There were other people around just waiting to see what he was going to do in the moment that he began to take his jackets off and, and all the things and jump right in after you and pursue you. God, I pray today, Lord, that that would be the spirit in this church, that we would take everything that's holding us down, all the burdens, all the weight, all the struggles, lay them aside, God, and go back after you. No matter who's watching. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, worship with them for a moment. Switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. 
Well, if you switch to GEICO, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, GEICO has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to GEICO. It's obviously a good idea. Switching to GEICO is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, GEICO makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to GEICO, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, GEICO has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to GEICO. It's obviously a good idea.